This morning, we're going to continue our series, There is a Light, where we have been exploring the story of Christmas through the book of Luke. And last week, we, we started with the how and who of Christmas. We said that Christmas was something that was initiated by God, that it's from God, and that the God of the universe, the God who created it all, who spoke it into existence by a word of his power, broke into his own universe that first Christmas by doing the impossible, sending his son, Jesus Christ, into the world, born of a virgin. And we said that in this, this coming of Jesus into the world, it meant that we received a king. And that whoever submits to his kingship and ceases their rebellion receives the forgiveness of the king. But not only that, they receive all that the king is, a holy divine, saving king who will live forever. This week, we're going to look at the arrival of the king. So if you have our Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. And if you need a Bible, just raise your hands. Our ushers would be glad to give you one. If you don't have a Bible of your own, that's yours to keep. And as you turn there to Luke chapter 2, I just want to kind of set it up with a story that I think will will segue us into the message perfectly this morning. Uh, It was December of 1903. Any of you alive back then? I didn't think so, right? But after, (laughs) I feel like it, somebody said, that's good. Uh, After many attempts, the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur, were successful in getting what they called their flying machine off the ground and into the air at Kitty Hawk. Thrilled over their accomplishment, they telegraphed their sister, Catherine, And they said, we have actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. So their sister, Catherine, immediately rushed out to the local newspaper, showed the the editor the message. He glanced down in it, and he said, how nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. Totally missed the big news that was in the telegraph that man had flown for the first time in History just said, how nice, the boys will be home for Christmas. See, the goal of this message, the goal of this series, the goal of this book, the book of Luke, is that we would not miss the big news of Christmas. That we wouldn't get so caught up in everything that goes on around us that we don't see the big news when it's right there in front of our face. Because this is the greatest news that we could ever know and understand. It's news that can change our lives. It can change our neighbors' lives. It can change our families' lives. It can change our perspective. It's news that can literally change everything. We just sang about it. Jesus, you change everything. It's big news. And if you remember from last week, the purpose of the book of Luke, the reason that he wrote this letter is so that we, the ones that read it, could be confident and convinced of the things that we've heard. The purpose of this book, then, is to inspire a deep unchanging, strong faith. So we're going to start at the arrival today. Luke chapter 2, are you there? Let's go. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quintarius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is a message that radically changed the world. It's big news. And, and the first thing I want you to see from this text that we just read is, look in verse 11. It said, for unto you is born this day. That's important. This happened on a real day. This happened on a real day in history. Not some mythical, imaginary story, but a day when Caesar Augustus was emperor of Rome and Quintarius was governor of Syria. Those things were put in the scripture for a reason because they're reference points for you to look back and say, okay, this person really ruled and reigned. This person was really governor in Syria at the time. This happened in a real day in history. It was a day that was planned before the foundation of the world. It was planned before the universe came into existence. With untold light years of space and billions of galaxies, they were created for this glorious day. Colossians gives us a glimpse into that. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. They'll put it on the screens. It said, for by him, that means Jesus, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and what? For him. Everything was created by him and for him. Everything was pointing to this day for him, for his appearance, for the day of his appearing. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4, it said, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. It happened on a day, a perfect day in the fullness of time, the perfect time appointed by God before the foundation of the world. For unto you is born this day. It was a real day. You know what else? It happened in a real city. It happened in a real city. It, it, it wasn't Narnia. It, it, it wasn't Middle Earth. It wasn't a galaxy far, far away, even though we're looking forward to that December 15th coming out. Okay, all right, Star Wars, right? But it didn't happen in a galaxy far, far away. It happened in a real city. The city's name was Bethlehem. 
Luke 2, 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Real day in history, real city. And you know why it happened? It happened so that we could receive a real savior, a real savior. A lot of people pretend to be saviors. We hear it all the time. People that are going to rescue us. Usually every four years, politicians try to tell us they're going to be our savior, right? But there's only really one savior and his name is Jesus Christ. Anybody who has sinned, which the Bible tells us is all of us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, need a Savior. God knew that we would need a Savior, and so he sent his son on a real day in a real city so that we could have a real Savior. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Only God can forgive sins against God. That's why God sent his only son, fully God, yet fully man into the world, because Jesus is God. That's why Jesus said in the scripture in the New Testament that he had the authority on earth to forgive sins. Why? Because he's God. Only God can can forgive sins against God. And so a savior was born, a savior that thousands of years earlier, Isaiah prophesied about. In Isaiah chapter nine, he said, for to us, A child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of his increase in his government and his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah said, listen, this is going to happen. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will see that this takes place. He's going to come. We will have a son given to us that will change the world. That's what Christmas means. Christmas means that the God of the universe, the one who created everything by speaking it into existence, the never-ending, all-powerful, all-knowing, forever king, the Lord of lords, on a real day in history, in a real city, in the real world, sent a savior to take away our sin and guilt. The Christ, the one who would fulfill all our hopes, the Lord, to defeat our enemies of sin and death and to make us safe and whole, and satisfied forever. And so I want us to realize the big news this Christmas. I don't want anything to keep us from that big news that we have a great Savior, Jesus the Christ, the Lord, born to save us from our sins. See, there are two great purposes for this big news. There's two huge reasons that God has given us this big news. And they're right here in the text for us to see. See, when the angel had announced this news to the shepherds in verse 11 and pointed them to the very manger where the baby was laying, suddenly an army of angels appeared in the sky. See, apparently one angel could bring the good news, but it took quite a bit of angels to respond to that good news. One angel could say it, hey, Good news, fear not, 
Unto you this day a child is born who is a Savior, Christ the Lord. But as soon as that good news was pronounced, bam, ah, armies of angels. Why do you think that is? Because when you hear the good news, you respond to it with praise. When that good news bursts forth, it creates an atmosphere for the glory of God. When that good news is spoken, praise should be the next thing that's spoken. So the angels were right on cue. They were probably waiting. The one angel came out and said, hey, <laughs> fear not. Unto you this day is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Okay, guys, it's cue time. Bam. Praise. And it's a sign for us. It shows us exactly what should take place in our hearts and in our lives when we hear the good news. It's exactly what happened with the shepherds when they went and they saw it just as the angel said. They rejoiced in their heart and then they went and did what? Glorified God. So there's two primary purposes for this huge big news and that is that Christmas is about God's glory and our peace God's glory and our peace look at what the angels when they came in in multitudes an army of angels look at what they look at what they sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased it's about God's glory. If we ever make it about us, we're wrong. It's about the glory of God first and foremost. But there's benefits to understanding that all things exist for the glory of God. When we understand that and we fall up under that, there's benefits for us. You know what the benefit is? Our peace. It's about the glory of God, but it's also about our peace. God is glorified because this child has been born. And second, peace is spread everywhere this child is received. So there are great purposes for the coming of Jesus. It's the glory of God ever ascending from man to God. And it's the peace of God ever descending from God to man. That's what's happening here. Is, is when we realize who God is and what he's done and what we have in him, it should cause praise to rise up to God continuously. Glory to God, ever ascending from man to God. But also what happens is the peace of God descends from God to man. His peace is upon us. There's hardly a better way to sum up what God was about when he created the world, when he came to reclaim the world in Christ Jesus. His glory, our peace, his greatness, our joy, his beauty, our pleasure. So, so how do we experience this peace that he brings? Because peace is what this whole thing is supposed to be about, right? The glory of God and the peace of man. Where does the peace of man seem to be residing lately? Where, where is it? I don't know about you, um, but I woke up yesterday. It was a real day in history. It, it, was a, it was a beautiful day. It was a glorious day. I love the cold, so it was awesome. And my wife said, hey, we're going to go out as a family, and we're going to go shopping. Okay? Okay, see, but at first, I was down with that. Okay, it was a beautiful day. We're going to be out and about, and I'm going to be with my family. That's good. So I didn't have any problem with that. But all day, we're shopping with a bunch of grumpies, right? 
bunch of people that don't want you in their space, bunch of people that very impatient driving, saying things, beeping their horns all the time, beep, 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 every time you turn around, and then rolling down the windows and saying things I can't repeat from this stage. And everywhere, just a sea of humanity of cranky people, right? And by the end of the day, guess who was one of the cranky people? Me. I'm starting to drive the car, and, and you know, come on, people, let's go. Beep. You know, I'm, I'm with them. And Suzanne's like, Tim, you've got to be patient. A patient's done gone. It's gone, right? So you start to look around. You say, where is the peace? How do we experience this peace that he brings? Because the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. See, the point is that even though God's offer of peace goes out to all, Only his chosen people, the people who receive Christ by trusting him as their Lord and Savior will truly experience the peace that he brings. That means peace is offered to all, but only will be received by those that make Jesus Lord. And so there's a lot of people out there, a lot of people that we encounter on a regular basis that they don't understand what peace is. They've tried to They've tried to manufacture peace in different ways, ways that man sees fit, whether it's through relationships or through a bottle of pills or through the bottom of a bottle. I could go on and on and on, but they try to manufacture peace. But all of that is a cheap substitute. Only by receiving Jesus as Lord can you truly understand what it means to have peace. You get a glimpse of this in Luke chapter 10. Jesus told his disciples, he said, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. That's the offer of peace to all. But if the son of peace is not there, your peace will rest upon him. If the son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. God's peace in Christ is offered to the world, but only the sons of peace will receive it. So how do you know if you're a son of peace? How how do you know if you're a part of the angel's promise when they said peace among those whom he is well pleased? Well, the short answer is this. Have you welcomed the Prince of Peace? If you've welcomed into your heart and your life the Prince of Peace, then you are a son of peace. You will receive peace. That's the big news for us today. See, my desire is for us this Christmas for you to enjoy peace. Because this peace will have an effect on us that will change our lives. But you can't have peace apart from the one who is peace. It's impossible. So so what's what's the point of peace? And why why do we crave it? What's the point of peace? God's purpose is to give us peace by making him the most glorious part of our life. Five times in the New Testament, he is called the God of peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Paul said, Jesus himself is our peace. If we want peace to rule in our lives, then God has to rule in our lives. You want to experience peace? Then God has to rule in your life. God's purpose is not to give you peace apart from himself because God is peace. Anything else is a cheap substitute. I've told this story before, but it makes the point. I I, I went to Mexico one time on a mission trip, and I love watches, and I saw that at the market, they had Rolex watches for 25 American dollars. I said, 
this is awesome. God bless Mexico, right? So I bought the Rolex watch. I came home. Uh, a couple of days later, I took it off of my wrist. My wrist was green. Obviously, I didn't have a Rolex watch. I had a cheap substitute. And there's a lot of people going through life like that. They don't realize that they're trying to achieve peace apart from the one who is peace. And that's not going to work because it's a cheap substitute or make your rest green, right? His purpose is to give us peace by being the most glorious part of our life because he is the most glorious thing we could ever exist for. See, let me, let me tell you what our biggest need is. All of us, my biggest need, your biggest need, you know what it is? Our biggest need is peace with God. Our biggest need is peace with God. You may have a lot of needs, but your biggest need is peace with God. It's foundational to all our other pursuits of peace. If we don't go here first, then all other experiences of peace will be superficial. They'll be temporary. There's a key passage in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified, that's a big fancy Christian word that basically means just as if we've never sinned. He said, since we've been justified as though we've never sinned by our faith, that's the pivotal act of believing, right? Since we've been justified by our faith, by our belief, we have peace with God, how? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have peace with God through Jesus by your faith in him. When we believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord, that's the most important thing we can do in our lives. We're united with him and his righteousness is counted as ours by God. We're justified by our faith, our belief in him, and the result is peace with God. God's anger at us because of our sin is put away. Our rebellion against him is overcome. God adopts us into his family and from now on, All of his dealings with us are for our good. He will never be against us. If God is for you, who can be against you? He will never be against us. He is our father. He is our friend. We have peace. We don't need to be afraid anymore. And when we understand that, then all other forms of peace can begin to take root in our life. When we have peace with God, it's our biggest need. And from that, when, when, when I have peace with God, you know who else I can have peace with? Myself. Aren't we hard on ourselves? Don't we, don't we riddle ourselves sometimes with fear and anxiety and depression and guilt and all of these different things? Because we, we don't understand clearly that we are at peace with God through faith in him, that we've been justified by him. And it's almost like God has given us these scriptures to tell us, listen, if you're at peace with me, why are you not at peace with yourself? If, If God is for you, how could you possibly be against you? Because you're a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new is come. You can begin to enjoy peace with yourself. That that paralyzing guilt can be gone. That that depression can be lifted. That anxiety, that worry can be gone. The things that make us feel hopeless can, 
can be pushed to the side and we can once again feel hope. That's why I love Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it's one of the most precious passages in my opinion in this regard. It said, don't be anxious about anything. You know that anxiousness is the opposite of peace? You start to worry about stuff, get anxious about things, then you can probably look and you can say, well, where's my peace? It's gone. It's the opposite of peace. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Why? Because you should have peace. He's the prince of peace, and his peace he gives to you, his peace he left with you. So don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In other words, roll your anxieties, the things you worry about, the things you stress about, the things that rob your peace, roll it onto God. Give it to him. That's what my wife was trying to tell me the other day. Tim, just be patient. I'm like, God going to have to drive this van. I'm trying to give it to him, but God going to have to drive this van, right? But that's what we should do. We should give our anxieties to him because he cares about us. And look at what he says. Make your request with thanksgiving, prayer, supplication, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That means you won't even understand when you finally get this, that you have peace with God. You can have peace with yourself. You won't even understand fully this peace that overwhelms you, that comes over you because your circumstances might be telling you that you should be anxious. Your circumstances might be telling you, hey, you got all these bills and no money. You should be worrying. You, and, and guess what? You don't have a job. You should get a job. Or your relationships might be in chaos and you've tried and you tried and tried and everything in your circumstances says you should be worried about this. You should be anxious about this. But God said, no, no, no. Take your, your anxiousness, your worry, give it to me, roll it on to me, and the peace of God will surpass your understanding. It will envelop you. You'll be like, I have this peace about this situation. I don't even understand how I have peace because my circumstances say I shouldn't, but I feel it. Because I know in whom I have believed, I, I trust him. And look what it will do. It says the peace of God will surpass all understanding and it'll guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. That means when your mind starts thinking some stupid stuff, right? That you can, by the grace of God, say, no, 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 no. I'm going to take every thought and hold it captive and make it obedient to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm going to take these thoughts that don't line up with who God is, with what he said he is, with who he says he is, with what he can do. I'm going to take these thoughts, I'm going to hold them captive, and I'm going to make them obedient to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm going to think rightly. And you can do that by the grace of God because he is guarding your minds. That means when your heart begins to fail within you, that it's God himself who will jumpstart that heart. Who say, no, no, no. Let me explain to you again. Let me whisper to you again who I am. What I've done. What I can do. I'm the creator of the universe. I hold everything in my hands. Nothing is impossible for me. Nothing. Nothing you face. Nothing you're dealing with. Nothing you're struggling with, give it to me. 
because it's not impossible for me. It may be impossible for you, but not for me. Not for me. Give it to me. He's going to guard your hearts, going to guard your minds. Listen, do that this Christmas. Experience his peace. Take your anxieties to God. Tell him about them. Ask him to help you, to protect you, to restore your peace. And when you begin to understand that the greatest need you have is peace with God and you have it, and you can begin to have peace with yourself, then guess what else happens? You can have peace with others. You have peace with God, you can have peace with yourself. You have peace with yourself, you can have peace with others. Some of you will go home for Christmas or you'll have families together and it will seem anything but peace. There'll, there'll be times that are awkward. There'll, there'll be painful relationships. Some of the pain is old. Some of the pain is very new. But sometimes going home or being with family isn't always great. I remember talking to a lady a couple of years ago that says she hates going home every Christmas because her mom is super critical and it begins kind of from the door telling her about everything that she's done wrong and everything she's doing wrong currently in her life and it's just not pleasant for her and, and I remember talking to her about this very thing and say you know what do you believe that God is pleased with you and at first her, her answer was I, I, I don't know and I said well let me ask you something have you made him Lord of your life do you worship him have you turned from your sins yes he's he's my savior he's my Lord then he's pleased with you He's pleased with you. And so if God is for you, who can be against you? No matter what the voices are saying, even voices that are close to you, they can't be louder than the voice of God in your heart and your mind telling you, I'm pleased with you. That's what this means. Peace to those in whom he is well pleased. How's he pleased with you? Turn. It's real simple. How do I know if God is pleased with me? Have you turned from your sins and turned to him? Is he Lord of your life? Then he's pleased with you. And his voice is going to be so loud that every other voice seems silent, like a whisper. But not only that, then you can begin to take that peace to these difficult situations, to these difficult people, to these difficult relationships. You can begin to show kindness and forgiveness. Why? Because you know who has been kind to you. You know who has forgiven you. And so you can forgive and you can show kindness and you can show peace because you're amazed at the peace of God. You have a sense of amazement that I, a sinner, have peace with God and that makes my heart tender and kind and forgiving. And even if that peace gets thrown back in your face, and sometimes it does, you can still trust in the peace of God and the love of Jesus that's been freely give, given to you. Because if you have peace, you have received peace. You can have peace if you receive peace. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, then you can have peace. So I don't want you to miss out on the big news this Christmas. The peace of God has come. The light has come into the darkness. He has arrived. For unto you is born this day. A real day and time. In a real city, Bethlehem. 
a Savior, a real Savior, not a cheap substitute, a real Savior, Messiah, the Sovereign One, the God who gets all the glory to you so that you might have peace. And so I pray that the God of peace will give you peace and that He will receive all the glory.